Welcome to Today's Issues, offering a Christian response to the issues of the day. Here's your host, Tim Wildman, President of the American Family Association. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Today's Issues on the American Family Radio Network. You're listening to AFR. Walker Wildman hosting with me today, co-hosting with me. Good morning, Walker. Good morning. Good Fred, to be on today. Fred Jackson. Yes, good morning, sir. And Dr. Ray Pritchard. How you doing, Ray? Hey, doing good up here in Kansas City. How are you, Tim? Doing well. Thanks for asking. Uh, weather nice in KC today or what? We've had, we've had rain, 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 okay. rain. We're, we're in the midst of about, about 40 days and 40 nights of rain. It's just... It's just coming down with right now. It's not raining, but it has been yeah. nonstop for three or four days, and so no bike riding right now. Okay, just, uh, just too, too. I guess too the farmer. Wet. I guess the farmers like that for the most part. Yes, uh, yes. The I mean, it, it, we're we're getting the ground is good and soaked up here. We'll be happy when the sun shines again. Uh, in South Louisiana, they don't want to see any more rain. No. no. Have you seen pictures of this? Texas, South Louisiana. They were saying this morning, the same system that Ray is talking about is moving across the country, but before it gets finished, it's going to dump another eight inches of rain in that part wow. of the country. Wow. That's a lot. Well, say so long to Louisiana, because they're going to float <laughs> out into the Gulf. Uh, I saw pictures yesterday uh, of, I'm, I'm not kidding, and I'm not making light of the situation because it's tragic for a lot of families, uh, and they've already been hit by those two hurricanes last year and flooding already but but it was some humor in the midst of uh, you know uh some what they're going through but it was a a video of people in a restaurant in lake charles and they're eating dinner it's a diner and they got two feet of water but you know no no. Oh, I'm serious. Wow. They're sitting there with their with water up to their knees, oh my. and they're waiting on the server to come over there and fill their tea. Oh my goodness! And that, uh, that was a real picture. It wasn't a Photoshop. No, no. Or something. It was on like Fox News uh, app. They had to, and it, it was. You know how they'll include pictures and videos sure. From, sure. from because people have their cell phones now everywhere. But it was these a restaurant <laughs> a restaurant that was open with two feet of water. <laughs> Look it up. I mean, and they, and they're, they're, everybody's acting like it's just a normal day. There's and it's just like, excuse yeah. me, ma'am, can you have a refill of tea? And uh, <laughs> you think my burger's about fries. ready? Yeah. And you got alligators like floating around down I know. there. Mm. It's it was it wasn't a spoof. It was real. Uh, I guess you get desensitized to anything after a while. But uh, mm. all right, so uh, we got a lot of guests this hour. Well, we have. Uh, Let's see, one, a couple of different guests this hour, and so we'll be getting to them in a little bit uh, from now. Walker, tell folks how they can join us on the Internet. Yes, we have a Facebook and a YouTube page where you can watch the show. We'll also make sure we post our articles on Facebook so you can go there and link to them and read more about the stories that we talk about. And the uh, last two ways to listen is on our website, AFR.net. And, of course, you can download the app, the AFR app. It's an easy a free way to listen. Just go to your app store, type in AFR, and you can download our app and listen 24-7 to American Family Radio. Fred, go ahead. 
Well, if you listen, watch conservative media, <clears throat> you may be getting familiar with the name Lieutenant Colonel Matthew Lohmeyer. Uh, up until a few days ago, he was the commander of the U.S. Space Force, which was set up by former President Trump. Now, uh, why he's in the news, he has been demoted from that position because he has spoken out over his concerns of what he is seeing as indoctrination within the United States military to a pro-Marxist uh, philosophy, uh, critical race theory. And he talked about that in a podcast recently. Uh, he's also done some writing on this. And the folks in the Pentagon uh, got a hold of this information, and uh, they have demoted him. Uh, he's not out of the military yet, uh, but it's going to be interesting to see. So last night, uh, Lieutenant Colonel Matthew Lomar was on Hannity, and here's how he explained what has happened in the military. Cut number one. I will not tolerate any discrimination of any kind based on politics. There were videos being sent out to every base uh, service member that we were asked to watch in which we were taught that the country was evil, that it was founded in 1619 and not 1776, and that whites are inherently evil. So there you have it. In a nutshell, this is what he says. These videos are being sent out. Now, we ought not to be surprised that the fact that coming out of the White House, coming out of the White House-driven Pentagon right now, there is a push uh, to basically the CRT, uh, critical race theory, that this nation, the 1619 Project, all of those kinds of things, that this country was built on racism and that people across our military, across our federal government, need to be indoctrinated in this. Now, also coming behind what Lohmeyer had to say last night is civil rights attorney Leo Terrell. He was on Fox News this morning saying Lohmeyer has a case, and if he's looking for an attorney, Terrell says, I'm the man. Cut number two. This great officer spoke in his private capacity, and he expressed a known fact. The critical race theory is a lie. And Steve, this is very scary because now you have this racist dogma being infiltrated in the military. I wish I was his lawyer as a civil rights attorney because his First Amendment right to express an opinion, not partisanship, an opinion that the critical race theory is racist. And Steve, it is racist because it's based upon a lie. This man is being punished for expressing an opinion. That's what makes this country great, the right of freedom of expression. Ray, you know a lot about this story. Well, there's a little bit of backstory here, Tim. Uh, our oldest son, Josh, runs a publishing company, been in the publishing business for about 10 years now, and about 85% of what our son does is digital, meaning he produces ebooks for authors, not just in America, but around the world. Well, about a week ago, my son, whose office is just probably 30 feet from where I am right now, he said, Dad, I just got contacted to make an ebook for an officer in the Space Force. And he probably said Matthew Lohmeyer's name, but I had, of course, a week ago, I had never heard of him. And Josh said, it's unbelievable what this book is. He's got the goods on what's happening with the CRT and the military. And my son was asked to design the ebook for this book by Lieutenant Colonel Matthew Lohmeyer called Irresistible Revolution, which right now at this moment is number two of all the millions of books on Amazon. So when you go on there, uh, you can see 
the hardback and the paperback and ebook, which my son designed. And I just mentioned this to say, I asked him last week, my son, I said, did he get this cleared? And he said, I asked him that. And he said, yes, I went up the chain because there's a certain thing that you have to do in the military to get it approved. It had been approved. And then, wow, it went, this thing has gone viral around the world. This book has gone shot right to the top because he, this fellow has got the goods. And if you saw him on Hannity last night, he is clear. He is compelling. He is very well-spoken folks. We would certainly recommend you getting a copy of this book, Irresistible Revolution, because uh, here is a patriot serving in the military who has the courage to speak the truth. Yeah, Walker? yeah this is, we're at a time, and I know Scripture talks about this, where right is wrong and wrong is right. And here we have basically that which is good uh, in our country, meaning the Constitution, freedom, liberty, human rights, um, free market, all these ideals that make America great, you have that, which this, uh, this army uh, lieutenant is standing up for. But then you have the Marxists over here who basically want to destroy our country, and the Biden administration is lifting up the Marxists, lifting up the revolutionaries who want to destroy everything our country stands for, and the people who stand up for freedom they're getting demoted. It's a really backwards way of looking at the world. But you, you now have an administration, and let's go back uh, a year ago during the election campaign. The country was warned about the socialist agenda that was coming. Now, when people think socialism, they just think economics. Well, the agenda of the Biden administration has become very clear. It's not just socialist with regards to economic policy. It is about uh, bringing to the forefront what has been taught in the nation's schools and universities for years, and that is Marxism, and that is critical race theory, that there is racism still exists in this country. If you listen to the Biden administration to a great extent, the mainstream media is helping the Biden administration play the race card, play the race card, play the race card, when all of these police shooting stories are driven by this agenda, all right? We've talked about this before. There are very few incidents where you have a white police officer with an encounter with a black person that ends uh, in the death of the black person. Very, very few. But the, all of these are being amplified to try to convince people that we have a serious race problem going on in this country. And now, of course, with Biden being the president of the United States, he is telling the Pentagon... We're going, we're going to force this philosophy down the throats of all our military people. What happened was Lieutenant Colonel Matthew Lohmeyer said, stop the bus. This, this is not supposed to be happening in our military. Mm -hmm. This is bad for our military, and now he's in trouble. Yeah. My question would be, Walker, what, what is the uh, – the, the, okay. All right, let me, let me understand this because I'm not – really well versed on how uh the chain of command and so forth and how this works in uh, in the military i understand chain of command but uh who can tell who to do what versus what your rights are as an american citizen i know when you go into the military you give up some of your rights but let me ask you ray uh the what's the gentleman's name the lieutenant colonel matthew lohmeyer okay which uh uh so ray he published this book, 
Right. And and he was an active duty commander in the Space Force. That's exactly right. Okay. Was, yeah. So commander. he publishes this book. And he 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 told the uh, he gave advance notice to his uh, superiors that he was right. publishing this book. Right. The book is an expose and is uh, uh, Marxism within the United States military. That's true? exactly right. Right. So is that not allowed? Or are you, are you, are you, can you, you know what I'm saying? Does, does he have to be a private citizen to do that? I guess, is that the question? Well, things yeah. are different inside the military, and we all understand that. What they say is you can't be on active duty and engage in, quote, partisan politics. For instance, you couldn't. You couldn't have a military officer on active duty writing a book last September for Joe Biden or for Donald okay, Trump. Okay, I got you. Okay, you couldn't do that. Yeah. Everybody, everybody what, understands what, that. What they're basically doing here is they're trying to claim that denouncing Marxism is now political. So instead of everybody in America being for freedom and against Marxism, now some of us are for it. So now it's political. I mean, that that's they're basically admitting right. that the Democrat Party is politically involved with, at least some of them, Marxism. But that, doesn't that prove, Ray, the author's point? I mean... <laughs> well, it does, yeah. right. There, there were, the fact that he lost his command proves the point of the book, which, by the way, uh, created by, by the Space Force. If they had done nothing, would this book have reached number two or number one on Amazon? I doubt it. But by doing this, suddenly it has become an international sensation and paradoxically, then in a good way, the message of what's happening to destroy our military is getting out everywhere. What's the title of the book again? Irresistible Revolution. Okay. Would you think you can help us get the, the get the gentleman on our oh, program? I think, I, I think that's very possible. Because I think he's been on Fox, right? It's, right. We would love to have him as a guest. If you can help, we'll see. We'll talk uh, about we, that. We can work. We can yeah. work on that. Yeah. You're listening to. Uh, he's a patriot. Oh, absolutely. Uh, absolute patriot. And it is a shame and it's dangerous what's going on. The purging, the, the announced, uh, what's the, what's the, uh, joint chiefs of staffs, secretary, of the secretary of defense. What is his name? Austin. Austin. You know, he's in charge of that outfit over there. <laughs> the, the defense department. <laughs> yeah. Remember when Biden called it that outfit, right? That outfit, right. that outfit. What's the gentleman's name, Fred Austin. Okay. General, right? Yes. And he announced that he was going to that the military was going to do a purging, basically, yes. of extremist views, yes. extremist groups, and 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 what he is undefined, defi- undefined, right? What, what he is mm. defining, and this this is the other side of this card that we're talking about. The and, and this is what uh, Lieutenant Colonel Matthew Lohmeyer was saying. He said, "Wait a minute, our Secretary of Defense was warning about things being taught in the military that aren't good for the military." So he said, I'm, I'm just projecting what I think is dangerous for the military. Mm-hmm. But really, we know, coming from the White House, they're, they're starting to talk about white extremism <coughs> in the military. Which is pretty much a hoax. Which is a hoax. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and, you know, it, it goes along with the evangelical nationalism. Sure. All of the these charges that are being made. This is an effort to silence conservative points of view. Well, I know this sounds uh, extreme or crazy to some people listening to us right now. And I'm not usually given to these kinds of things, uh, these kinds of statements. But I'm going to tell you, this this is a road to imprisonment. 
for millions of Americans if yeah, they could, is. huh? Yeah. It, uh, or at least ostracizing. Ostracizing. I don't know. Ostracization is a word, but you get the idea. What what they want to do, what these political lefties want to do, is shame, discredit, penalize, purge, uh, uh, and and dehumanize, demonize yeah. millions of us mm-hmm. who hold conservative views, especially those those dadgum Christians mm-hmm. that we're going to have to get rid of. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're gonna have to put them, you know, make them like, like the Amish, make them, you know, be there, and, and maybe we'll leave them alone. Then, you get the idea. Segregation uh, from society. That's where this is going. That's that's now where whether it will happen ultimately or not, we'll be put in, in camp. We'll be put in camps. I know people are going. Ah, oh, it can never happen in America. Yeah, it can. Yeah, it, it, it's happened in human history over and over and over again. And well. All right, I'll just use you and I'll, I'll use an analogy that everybody can understand. The reason black Americans, black folks from Africa, were able to be enslaved around the world, and and in the United States, of course, slavery has been around long before America. You wouldn't know that. You'd think we invented it, <laughs> but but it's because the uh, population who enslave them dehumanize them yes okay you, you dehumanize them that's what's going on with us by the lefties and the secularist and the globalist and we're in we're a real that's what remember the other day they said hey, dead gum uh evangelicals they won't get vaccines well trump i mean biden called called us neanderthals Yes, conservative state Neanderthals. Yes. Hillary Clinton called us deplorables. Yes, yes, yes. Dregs of society. So, mm-hmm. so if you keep saying that about people, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Then you mm-hmm. put them in a category that you are. Then people go, yeah, you know, I, I wish I hate that they got put in uh, camps, but they're going to have to shut up. Mm-hmm. They're dangerous to to society. Mm-hmm. So, the softening, uh, the conditioning for what I've just said is what's going on here. So when. They take a uh, respected commander in the military and they say, you can't write a book that's critical, uh, uh, that says Marxism is bad for America, or we're gonna, you're going to lose your job. You see what that does? That sends shockwaves mm-hmm. through the rest of the military. I guess if they can get rid of, his, of him, they can get rid of me for saying anything or speaking up. And I'm not talking about being insubordinate. I'm not talking about uh, disobeying a direct command in a time of warfare. I'm talking about a military people being able to to question an ideology on whether that's good or bad for our country and for our military. No, you can't do that or else you're going to be uh, out of a job. Except the uh, Department of Defense uh, chief, mm-hmm. uh, Austin, mm-hmm. Mr. Austin. General Austin, I should say, he can make announcements that he's going to promote critical race theory, or he's going to or he's going to seek and destroy the white um, extremist out there. He can say that. There's no penalty for that, even though that's the same. It's an ideological argument, not a uh, 
Not a performance argument, nope. I guess it should say. And it's not just the military, uh, the Attorney General of the United States uh, taking his direction from President Biden. We have to be very concerned, he says, about uh, white nationalists in this country. We have to... Remember That's the, me. Remember the doc- I'm white and I'm a nationalist. Yes. Right. Remember the document the <laughs> other day. We're going to find out how people vote. Yeah. Pe- people work for the federal government. We're going to find out how... Now, they- who said that? I, I, I missed that this, one. This has come out of the administration. We're going to look at how people vote... And we're going to what groups they associate with. For instance, if you give if you donate money to a conservative group that's critical of the Biden administration, we want to know about that. If you work in the federal government. Yeah, they're monitoring social media. I miss that story. Where, who was that? What, were you familiar with that, Walker? What Fred's no, talking about? I'm familiar with the story about how the military's announced that they're gonna start monitoring social media usage of, yes. oh, okay. of military yeah. members to make sure that they're not posting like pro-Trump, pro-conservative stuff. Yes. And if they are, they're going to be addressed. Yeah. Wow. Where do you think this is? Where do you think this is headed? Well, do you think do you agree with my uh, analysis that this is headed for a, a purging of? I don't know what what the penalty looks like, Ray, but they're a, they're after us. How many times have we said it? Elections have consequences. This is what. This is what happens when somebody like Joe Biden gets in and the far leftists have now taken over. And it's it's not just a taking over of the military. It's a purging of anybody who dares to speak out for what we used to consider traditional American values. There's just no place for that in the military anymore. And I just want to just want to say again, my my tremendous admiration for Lieutenant Colonel Matthew Lohmeyer, because he put his career on the line to publish this book. And and the other thing that encourages me, Tim, if we do need some encouragement, any book that reaches the top of Amazon, because it was number one last night, means there are, there are tons of people buying this book, reading it. There's a lot of Americans who agree with him and disagree with what the leftists want to do to America. It's way past time for us you know, to this speak may- out. This may be uh, somewhat of a blessing in disguise because if he has been fired from the military, he's completely free now. Well, okay, he's to, to, been to say what of, he, he's been to, relieved of the command of the command. He's still serving in the space. Force. Okay, relieved of the command. But I would like to him to be. I would like to uh, see him appear before the uh, Congress and testify. Yeah, yeah. you know what That'd I'm saying. Uh, so th- th- you're right, Ray. Uh, ironically, the. His firing from this particular position, I was mis, mis, I misspoke when I said fired from the military, gives him a, a, lo, a larger audience, yes, much larger audience than he would have otherwise had. And a lot of people are going, well, what is it that the military is scared right. of? Why don't, why don't they want us to hear from this gentleman? And people are asking, what is this critical race theory and how is it connected to Marxism? Well, we can find the answers to that in a lot of places, but as far as the military is concerned, it's in the book, Irresistible Revolution. That's the name of it, Irresistible Revolution? Yeah. Uh, and let me tell you another thing. This We can talk about this later. This boogeyman of white supremacy that Biden keeps pushing mm-hmm. and his administration keeps pushing is is just that. It's an absolute... Uh, it's, it's, in, it's, in, it's in the category of the... Uh, of the a Bigfoot and the Loch Ness monster, right? 
it is uh, it's it's not real. No. Are there racists in America today? Yeah, you know why? Because there's human beings. Mm-hmm. Right. And there's 330 million. So you're going to find a few racists. But the idea that white supremacy is on the march. And, is, that, it, and that it's systemic. And that it's systemic is, is just that all they're trying to do is use that to scare people. And, and divide. Scare mm-hmm. people and divide yep. people. It isn't even real. That's like telling them there's Bigfoot's out in your backyard. And it isn't. They're just using that to try to scare people mm-hmm. when it doesn't even exist. Uh, uh, we'll be back momentarily. On the next Today's Issues. We appreciate hearing from you. You can send us an email at comments at AFR.net. I pastor a small church, so I have to have a full-time job on the side. Uh, when I try to feed the flock, y'all feed me, and I thank God for y'all. If you want to uh, watch the show live, you can go to Facebook or YouTube. Just type in Today's Issues, and you can also access the stories that we talk about. Don't miss the next Today's Issues. Weekday mornings at 11 Eastern, 10 Central on American Family Radio. What would it be like if every person knew that they were created in the image of God? After two years in the making, American Family Studios proudly presents In His Image, delighting in God's plan for gender and sexuality. There are only two sexes, male or female. If you're conceived with a Y chromosome, you will develop into a male. In His Image is a documentary featuring life-changing testimonies of former LGBT individuals. In my most formative years of development of sexuality, I went through a brutal time of uh, sexual distortion, molestation. Visit InHisImage.movie to watch In His Image. Well, everybody, welcome to this unboxing video as we unboxed my hormone blockers. In His Image from American Family Studios is available now for free viewing. Visit InHisImage.movie. You're made in the image of God. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starnes with news and commentary next. If you're a first responder, you know the right training can make all the difference in a crisis. At Liberty University, we know the right training can make all the difference for your future. So we're proud to offer you a 25% discount on our more than 450 online degree programs. Combine this discount with our generous military benefits if you or your spouse also have military experience. Learn more about getting the right training at Liberty University by texting DEGREE to 49595. That's DEGREE to 49595. Shirley Udy of Kokomo, Indiana, needed new struts for her 2002 Chrysler. The mechanic said it would cost nearly $900. Shirley is an 85-year-old widow. She lives off Social Security, barely enough money for living, much less fixing a car. But thanks to a bunch of good-hearted mechanics, Shirley was able to not only get her car fixed, but they also changed her oil and topped off her fluids. The mechanics are volunteers with God's Garage, a ministry of Crossroads Community Church. Tom Smith opened the garage back in 2018 to help single moms, veterans, and elderly folks like Shirley. The work is done free of charge. The customers, well, they just have to pay for parts. And it turns out a good many local auto parts stores were more than happy to offer discounts. That meant Shirley was able to get her car repaired for just 263 bucks, thanks to the Good Samaritans under the hood at God's Garage. I'm Todd Starnes. I am convinced and confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will continue to perfect and complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. 
the day of his return. Philippians 1.6. American Family Radio. This is Today's Issues. Email your comments to comments at AFR.net. Past broadcasts of Today's Issues are available for listening and viewing in the archive at AFR.net. Now, back to more of Today's Issues. Hey, welcome back, everybody, to Today's Issues on the American Family Radio Network. Thank you for listening to AFR. Uh, We appreciate and love all of our listeners out there across America, whether you're listening on one of our 181 radio stations or the app, the American Family Radio app. Well, uh, imagine serving on the mission field for 13 years in Haiti. Uh, Our next guest did just that, and he's moved back to the USA, his home, uh, to take a new position at Wesley Biblical Seminary. But Dr. Matt Ayers shared with our staff during devotion this morning, and he's in studio with us. Good morning, brother. Good morning. Thank you. A pleasure to be here. Absolutely. Uh, you were. I want to talk about your uh, the school. I know this. that's why you're here to talk about uh, the Wesley Biblical Seminary and what the good things going on there. But uh, you started this devotion this morning for our staff. You are, by the way, what are you, in your 40s? 37. Sorry about that. At least, at least you're not a woman. Dude, I'd be in real big trouble, right? Guys really don't care if you overguess their age. Yeah. Okay, so you're 37. Yes, sir. Uh, married with four children. Yes, sir. And um, you and your wife were on the mission field in Haiti. You went, what year did you go there? 2007, we arrived, yep. Did you sign up for a year? Uh, we signed up for five years to be Signed up with. for five years yep. with what mission sending agency? One Mission Society, and at the time it was called OMS International. Okay. Had Did you have any experience in, in foreign mission work? or Very had, little. I mean, my wife had spent a semester abroad in um, in Haiti, and so while, at, while, you know, students at Asbury College, she took a semester off, went to Haiti for, you know, 15 weeks, and then um, I had spent a week in Haiti before moving there, you know, full-time. And then you signed up for five years? Five, well, and five years was the maximum that you signed up for at the time, and that's okay. like a career missionary status. So we signed up for five, thinking that we'd there, be there probably longer than five, and in fact it was. Yeah, I just say that because that's a very unusual story. Usually people go in the foreign mission field, as I hear it, they go for, you know, they plan for stay a couple of years maybe at the tops. Yeah, and, 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 and you're, you're, you're going for five years. Yeah, and even, you know, Haiti's a unique mission field in a lot of ways. It, it's a tough place to live. I mean, it's a fifth world country, you know, $700 GDP per capita, um, very poor. You have to produce your own electricity, at least where we lived. And, the most impoverished country in, in the Western Hemisphere, right? Right, Western Hemisphere for sure. And um, so even the missionaries that would come to Haiti with these high hopes of being there uh, for their entire careers or for, you know, decades, they on average lasted about 15 months. And so you, were your children born there? Um, so our youngest uh, was born in Haiti in our bedroom. <laughs> and uh, that that was very prayerfully considered. So our first three kids, um, Stacy carried for eight months of the pregnancy. Then we flew her back. She had the babies in Columbus, Ohio. And then... Uh, Is that your hometown? It's Stacy's hometown. Okay. Yep. And uh, so she had the babies in Columbus, and then we had to file for Social Security cards and passports. And that usually takes about four to six weeks to get that stuff back, and we'd fly back to Haiti. 
So they weren't born in Haiti, but everything but, right? Okay, Except well, for the what, one was. What was your born. missionary quote job in Haiti? Yeah, so it changed. Um, initially, we went um, to teach. I was teaching biblical Hebrew to um, Haitians learning to be, studying to be pastors and uh, teaching some Old Testament books, inductive Bible studies. Oh, so you were training pastors? Training pastors, yep. And then where? Um, in Capation, in a school uh, that's now called Emmaus University of Haiti. At the time, it was called Emmaus Biblical Seminary. Okay. And um, so I did that and then enrolled in a, my graduate studies, got a PhD in Old Testament. And then during that time, we were having our kids. And then I was put in a leadership position, administration as a vice president. And then in 2012 was the president. So I served eight years president at Emmaus, 2012 to 2020. Hey, you were probably killing it as far as income, aren't you? Oh, yeah, just raking it <laughs> in, you know. So. Well, and the struggle is, is not only are you working on a missionary salary that you have to raise on your own, uh, but the need is so great that you're just giving all your money away. You know, you're just giving all your money away. So, wow. But but well, God so, takes care okay, of you. Okay, so yeah. real quick, so th- those were the years for you and your wife from when to when? Uh, in Haiti? Two, 20, 2007 to 2020. Or 2020, 20. And then this new opportunity. Yep. Yeah, so what happened was, um, tragically, the, the my predecessor, John Nyhoff, uh, passed away, uh, president of WBS. and Wesley uh, Biblical Seminary in Jackson, Mississippi. Yes, sir. For those who don't know, go ahead. Yeah, Wesley Biblical Seminary, which is also my alma mater. It's where I did my master's degree. And, um, and they put a search committee together, and they reached out to me and asked if I'd be interested in applying for the job. And I thought, well, I'm, I'm just... There, there was a lot of reasons for me to say no. The primary reason is my, my family was happy and healthy and the ministry was strong and growing just really fast. And, and in Haiti. In Haiti, yeah. yeah. And I thought, no, you know, we've been here all these years. Let's just stick around for a while longer. And then, um, and then a, a dear friend of mine, Dr. John Oswalt, who was the interim president holding the spot until they found their new president, reached out to me and said, hey, I, I really think you should reconsider that no. Just pray about it a little longer. And so, of course, you know, how that goes. We did. And um, through lots of prayer, conversation, fasting, scripture, good fellowship, and good counsel, uh, Stacey and I knew that if, the, if they made the offer that we needed to take it, that God was calling us to, to Mississippi if they wanted us. And so, um, so, yeah, and then COVID hit and we were evacuated from Haiti, um, which is strange. We'd lived there all those years and we got a call uh, 10 p.m. saying, you're on a flight tomorrow morning at 10 a.m., and you've got 13 years of possessions and all. They said, and the kids are in bed. They wake up the next morning. Next thing you know, they're leaving Haiti. Who, who called you, the government or family? It was it was an airline that called us. And um, the mission organization that we were with, One Mission Society, um, they were trying to bring all their American missionaries home because of COVID because they didn't know what the impact would be. The problem was for us is that flights are, are strange in Cap Haitian. And um, flights were being interrupted because of COVID. And there weren't very many opportunities to leave should it come along. And so the mission, the Missionary Flights International, the airline that flies in, they said, we're sending a plane tomorrow to get the rest of y'all because some folks had already left. And well, so, a private plane. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. It, it's a cargo plane is what it is. And they, they also carry passengers. They fly these really, it's cool, these World War II BC-3 Douglas, you know, bomber planes into, <laughs> into Haiti twice a week. They bring mail in for us, but they, again, passengers too. And so we were evacuated. This was in March and went to Ohio. We were like, well, what do we do now? And I had the, I had the job. They said, you know, you're going to be the president. You're going to start July 1st. John Oswalt being the interim said, look, and the board, Matt's here. Can't be in Haiti. Why don't you just start sooner? You know, that way I can be relieved of my duties. And, and so we explored that, prayed, prayed about that. And so, um, so yeah, we, we bought a house through our agent and yeah. Okay. All right. Now tell us about, uh, 
Wesley Biblical Seminary, because um, you're the you're the number one cheerleader for the school now, right? Yes, sir. <laughs> because you're the president. Yeah, you got- all right. Tell us tell us about the exciting things going on there, and uh, why people should consider it if they're going if they're you know, looking in that direction. Yeah. So Wesley Biblical Seminary, what's unique about us, we talk about our institutional distinctions, is is built right. into our name, Wesley Biblical. Most seminaries are theological seminaries, um, which normally implies that they exist to train ministers ordained for a specific um, theological tradition, okay. or let's say denomination in a lot of cases. And so Asbury Seminary, uh, our loved, beloved brothers and friends, they're training mostly United Methodists and, you know, in Kentucky. What, yeah, yeah, and Reformed Theological down here in, in Jackson with us are training primarily Presbyterians and Southern Seminaries, training Baptists, and, and you have your Assemblies of God seminaries. Well, we're not a theological seminary, we're a biblical seminary. Uh, primarily meaning that we're multi-denominational uh, within the Wesleyan Arminian tradition. So we're training people of all sorts of different backgrounds within the spectrum of Wesleyan Arminian theology. Um, but in addition to that, um, our, the, the core of our curriculum isn't so much seated in the history of Christian thought and denominational distinctions, although we do do dogmatic theology. We talk about the distinctions of John Wesley's theology versus Calvinist theology, uh, but the scriptures are at the center of our curriculum, biblical. And then Wesley... You know, Wesley and, uh, Wesley's major contribution, if you had to pick one, you know, aside from all the church planning that he was doing, was shifting the emphasis of salvation from being on justification to sanctification. So this idea that salvation is synonymous with the forgiveness of sins, that is being forgiven, that's justification. Well, that's a big part of salvation, but there's also the sanctification piece that's an even bigger part, the new creation, life transforms stuff. And so Wesley's major contribution was to remind the church that, look, it's not just about the forgiveness of sins. It's about a transformed life. And so um, we, a, part, a huge part of why we exist is to promote that message, to get people back into the scriptures, to understand that the gospel is more than just about the forgiveness of sins. What's your website if people want more information? Yeah, wbs.edu, Wesley Biblical Seminary, right? wbs.edu. And uh, just quickly, uh, what are the major degrees that you offer? Yeah, so th- that's an important point. So um, obviously we have your traditional degrees, Master's Divinity, Master's of Arts, Biblical Literature, uh, Master's in Theological Studies, Christian Studies, Studies, all kinds of stuff. We have degree certificates on, you know, ministry in the African American church, ministry to Muslims, all all sorts of different. But we also have non-degree programs. So seminary is not just for pastors, which is a misconception. Historically, it has been, but we exist. We're training loads of lay people, people who just want to go deeper in their knowledge of scripture and theology. You can audit courses for very inexpensive. I'm teaching a course in the fall on spiritual warfare mm. and the biblical basis of spiritual warfare, and it's audit only. Anyone can sign up for 250 bucks. It's a 15-week course, 40 hours in the classroom. This past spring, I taught a course on the Holy Spirit, same thing. I taught a course mm. on the Psalms in the fall. We have all sorts of non-degree programs for people who just want to be taught by a trustworthy seminary that's accredited with Bible professors who have their PhDs. Um, how many how many hours of teaching there? The spiritual warfare. Forty. Forty hours, and and it cost how much? Two fifty. That's cheap. Mm-hmm. Now we can we, we can run cheaper an, than gas. We can even run a, <laughs> we can run an AFA discount too. I, I'm, I'm really? talking to folks about that. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Hey Matt, thanks for stopping by. We're glad you're in Tupelo with us. Thank you. And First time to Tupelo. Great yes. place. Yeah. Dr. Matt Ayers, A-Y-A-R-S, president, the newly elected uh, president of Wesley Biblical Seminary. And uh, thank you, brother. Thank Appreciate you. It. Good to have thank you in Thank you, guys. Thanks for us. your ministry. Okay. You're listening to today's issues on the American Family Radio Network. Uh, Tim Walker, Fred, and Ray. Ray, still there? Still here. 
Ray, man, where'd you go to? Where'd you tell me you went to seminary? Dallas Theological Seminary. And I just got to say to our listeners, I appreciate so much Wesley Biblical Seminary. Love that middle name. Love it. The, you know, if you want to know more about the Bible, yeah. Wesley Biblical Seminary is a tremendous choice. So congratulations to Dr. Ayers and to the seminary. I think they've got a bright future together. Amen. Well, we have another guest, which rare that we do uh, interviews uh, two times in a half hour, but we uh, have another guest we're excited to uh, have on with us right now, Claire Caldwell. Uh, Claire is the author of a book called Survivor. Survivor is the title of it, uh, an abortion survivor surprising story of choosing forgiveness and finding <clears throat> redemption. And the book is published by Waterbrook and is available now. We'll let Claire tell you how to purchase it. Good morning, Claire. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. I'm Tim and uh, with Walker, Fred, and Ray. And you can just just say y'all if you want to. <laughs> That, well, I'm from Texas, so that works. I, there perfectly. you go. Good. There you go. So you're you're in Austin. You're in Austin, I, right? Yes, sir. I am in Austin, Texas. Um, I've been here, uh, like like other people say from Texas. I got here as soon as I could. Adopted from Oklahoma, <laughs> but uh, raised by Texans. Okay, wonderful. Well, uh, tell us about the, your story. Yeah, contained. In, I want people to buy the book, and they'll want to certainly after they hear your testimony this morning. But uh, the book is called Survivor, which is a very intriguing uh, title. Uh, uh, tell us where you want to start with the story here. Well, um, uh, being a survivor, you know this this was the most shocking news of my life. I was 21 years old when I met my birth mother. I had been um, adopted. Uh, at two months old when I was released from the hospital, but always knew I was adopted. It was this incredibly positive thing. I was raised by um, a Christian couple uh, who who raised me on love and grace and forgiveness and taught me about uh, Jesus and you know what he did for me on the cross, but not only that, what he did for every single one of us. And so I went into this meeting with my birth mother knowing Okay, I'm I'm wanted, I'm chosen, I'm loved, I'm I'm a child of God. My circumstances won't change those things, but I have to say that when I met my birth mother, I heard the most shocking news of my life that would, you know, shake my foundation and and have me question everything, but ultimately bring me back to the goodness of God and how he can redeem and restore. And so when I met my birth mother, um, I sat face to face with her after giving her a ring and a necklace with my birthstone on it and a card that said, thank you for choosing life for me. And I sat face to face with her and watched as she cried the, the saddest tears I had ever seen in anyone's eyes as she read the words on that card. And I thought this would be this happy moment where I would tell her all the words she longed to hear for 21 years um, until we met again. Um, but it was this painful moment. And she began to describe being pregnant with me at 13 years old, which I knew. Um, but that was, that was all that I knew growing up was that she was a teenage uh, mother who gave me life, who gave me my family. Um, but she said, Claire, I didn't choose life for you. I actually had an abortion. And 
they told me that I had been pregnant with twins when I went back to the doctor and that you had miraculously survived the abortion procedure that aborted your twin. And so as you can imagine, you know, this, this moment that I thought would be this redemptive moment was was the most eye-opening moment of my life as it humanized the unborn child for me and helped me honestly empathize with the woman like my birth mother who felt like she didn't have a choice. And so I was born at 30 weeks. I weighed three pounds, two ounces. I had a dislocated hip and club Mm. feet. And um, these are you know, I have, I have some other complications. Um, doctors say that my body remembers the abortion, remembers fighting for its life. Um, I have some complications that confirm that still today. Um, but I, I grew up thinking I'll never be the person who has been affected by abortion. Uh, but there I was learning but, that I had been unwanted, rejected, and even aborted. Let me ask you this. Uh, I don't, I don't know if this is an appropriate question to ask or not, but it came to my mind. I'll just ask it. Why did she tell you that? She said that she held on to this news for 21 years and she had, she just felt like she needed to tell me. She felt like I needed to know the truth. And that she almost, that she wanted you dead. I mean, you know what I'm saying? That's what you're hearing. I, I know that that's at the time she's talking to you. That's not what she's, She's joy, joyful to see you and glad to share with you and build and and you're you're reunited, if you will. But what she's telling you is you're not supposed to be here because I went into the abortion uh, abortion uh, facility to have your life taken. Yeah. That's just, Yeah. And it was her mother, you know, she was 13 years old. So if we put ourselves in her shoes, her mother made these choices for her. And so I think honestly, it was like a cry for help. Like I've got to get this off my chest. This is what abortion did to me. And it hurt so badly. And for whatever reason, um, I thank God every day that she told me because I was equipped with the tools growing up to receive that information. And I saw the potential and what God could do through my story. We're talking to Claire Colwell, C-U-L-W-E-L-L. Claire, tell us the title of the book, which is your, your awesome story. And then uh, where people can buy it. Yes, thank you so much. My book just came out a couple weeks ago. It is called Survivor, an abortion survivor's surprising story of choosing forgiveness and finding redemption. Uh, it is available wherever you buy books, Barnes & Noble, Amazon, etc. You can find that list on my website, clairecolwell.com. And it's not Caldwell, folks. It's C-U-L-W-E-L-L. Do you also speak uh, for groups and churches and and, uh, banquets and things of that nature? I do. My birth mother told me in that first meeting that if someone had walked alongside her, if someone had told her that she was worthy and supported to be a mother, uh, that she would never have had that abortion. And so I have um, been speaking for the past 12 years in honor of my twin, but also uh, in honor of what my birth mother didn't have. And so, um, yeah, you can also find that what that information on my website as well. So you're your mom's still alive and everything. And I'm talking about your she, birth mom. 
She is. She um, lives in Oklahoma. She has three uh, children. I have three half-sisters that she raised after she placed me for adoption. Um, We have an incredible relationship. She has uh, since accepted my forgiveness for her, God's forgiveness for her. And um, there is so much redemption in the book. I can't wait for people to read it. Amen. Absolutely. Well, listen, Claire, thanks so much for spending some time with us here on American Family Radio. And we hope uh, everybody listening will buy the book and, and that you will get your message out about God's grace and and his re- redeem, redeeming power and uh, love and forgiveness and all those wonderful things. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. That is Claire Colwell, C-U-L-W-E-L-L. You ever heard a story like that, Fred? Never. Never. That's just amazing. You know, you, st- you stopped and think about this This mom, 13 years of age. Yeah. That, that's where the tragedy started. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Going in to have an abortion. Uh, the twin is aborted. Mom is not aware that there's still another little baby in there. I mean, I, I'm, I'm just seeing the hand of God. Yeah. And God in his sovereignty looking down the road and now using this young lady to go out to encourage uh, also, the part B of that story, the reconciliation of the birth mom with that with that daughter, and uh, I just think that's a wonderful thing. So it's it's a positive story all the way around. God is using this young lady, and will continue to use her. Ray, have you, have you ever heard anything quite like that? Uh, Never. And yeah. to to hear the the love and compassion in Claire's voice, mm. I'm trying to imagine being 21, and then suddenly finding out you were meant to be aborted. You were meant to be dead for, and, and it's a tragic, that part of it, Fred, as you said, that's, that's, that's the tragic side of abortion that we don't hear about as much as we should. But Claire, obviously she dealt with that overwhelming fact. She found love and forgiveness toward her birth mom. And now there has been healing all the way around. What a great story. This is what Christian redemption is all about. Amen. Amen. Fred, next story. Well, uh, the the battle is continuing. The war is continuing between Israel and Hamas. Hamas, you wonder how, how they come up with all of these missiles because they, as of yesterday, more than 3,000, but they're still shooting into southern Israel. Uh, there are more than 10 people wounded uh, overnight early this morning there. Now, yesterday we talked to Lieutenant Colonel Bob McGinnis. Uh, he is our military expert. And the story of the AP building that Israel bombed uh, during the weekend, they gave them an hour's notice to get out of there. But the reason they bombed it wasn't because of AP, but because Associated Press, it's because they were sharing a building with the Hamas terrorists. Uh, Colonel McGinnis talking, saying, if President Trump was still in charge, none of this would be happening. Cut seven. Iran was in its place. It was struggling. And now, you know, we're caving into Iran, you know, going to relinquish all sorts of goodies to them, um, you know, remove many of the sanctions. That's where they're going. Uh, for what good reason? There's no good reason, no compelling reason. Mr. Trump had it in, in hand. If Mr. Trump was still in there, I guarantee you we wouldn't be finding these thousands of rockets heading toward Tel Aviv and Jerusalem. Just stop and think for a moment. During the four years that we had President Trump, we certainly didn't have any of this. The other thing is that President Trump worked on these Abraham Accords. Remember, he was making peace 
between Israel and Saudi Arabia and several other Muslim countries. They were going to open up trade uh, back and forth, good, solid relationships. Also, Iran knew (laughs) that President Trump wouldn't put up with any of this nonsense. And so that also silenced their disciples. And when I mean Iran's disciples, I'm talking about Hezbollah in Lebanon and Hamas terrorists in Gaza. And by the way, speaking of Hezbollah, uh, it's believed they were behind. There's some shooting now going on out of southern Lebanon into Israel. These terrorist groups are emboldened because they know the Biden administration is weak. It does not stand behind Israel the way the President Trump stood behind Israel. Yeah, the uh, it's clear that Hamas has a state, a state like Iran assisting it because you don't get the thousands of missiles that they have without a state sponsor uh, mm-hmm. such as Iran. And this is all at the same time as the Biden administration is easing sanctions on Iran. Yes. Um, and to your point, this would never have happened. If it had happened under President Trump, there would be fierce action against Iran and Hamas and Hezbollah um, should they attack Israel under under Trump's watch. But this, is sh- this shows that weakness spreads, and now uh, the terrorists are emboldened. Ray? Look, don't let anybody think that Hamas and Hezbollah are independent operators. They are not. They do nothing without complete accountability and direction from back in Tehran. When Mr. Trump was in office, we had backed the Iranians down, okay? This simply, it did not happen, and it could not have happened while President Trump was in office, but things have just been turned upside down. And it's, it's a telling thing that Hamas and Hezbollah felt the freedom to do this. They knew they could get away with it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I tell you what, I'm, I'm reminded the stark contrast between President Trump and President Obama and Biden. Remember Bob, Obama and Biden, remember they sent Iran, billion, was it billions or millions? Hundreds of millions. Hundreds yeah. of millions of dollars in the, in the dead of night in an unmarked airplane. Mm-hmm. Cash on yep. pallets. Yep. You remember that? Yep. President Trump, on the other hand, uh, takes out the number one terrorist general for Iran. Do you remember that? Yes. That's your, that's your picture in contrast right there between the two uh, administrations. We'll be back momentarily with more of today's issues. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.